welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Noob. For more information and great content, jump over to our website at elamchurchchristchurchcity.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, I'm so excited to be sharing uh, part three of our series uh, called The Ten. If you're joining with us for the very first time, uh, we are looking at The Ten. These are the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20. Uh, that God gave to the nation of Israel and in order to align them with the will of God. And I tell you what, it still applies today. There is that argument in the in Christianism that the Old Testament and, and pretty much the law, uh, which this kind of falls under, is, is a, no longer applicable. Uh, I'm, on, I'm not in that camp. I think the law that, that was given to Moses and handed to the people still applies to us today. Uh, Jesus said himself that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Yeah, Anna got it. I'm going to try to keep you guys active today, okay? So you've got to, you've got to stay with me because I know, you know, I, I tell you what, you know, when you, when you have uh, terrible sleeping patterns anyway, losing an hour's sleep, it actually means nothing, you know? So, so I, I feel normal, you know? <laughs> yeah, just drink three cups of coffee before nine o'clock and you will be fine. And then around three o'clock this afternoon, you will be crashing. Amen. All right, so that's where we're going this morning. We're up to number three uh, of our top ten. And, uh, and so this, let me just bring up the passage and then I'll get into the story. Um, at Exodus 20 and verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Uh, I just want to share this short story just to help kind of uh, uh, set up what we're going to be talking about today. At the beginning of the third century in North Africa, persecution of Christians broke out in, Ka- in, Cathar- in Cathar. Yeah, sorry. Apologies if I mispronounced that. Uh, one of the uh, Kekumas uh, taken into custody was Peputua, a noble woman uh, still nursing her son. When she was first incarcerated, her father came to her at to uh, begging her to renounce her faith for the sake of her family, for him, and for the infant son. In the midst of, her, of his begging, Perpetua uh, pointed to a pitcher, uh, not, not a pitcher frame, but a pitcher of water, uh, and said, Father, do you see that vessel, this vessel lying here? Um, do you see this vessel lying here to be a little pitcher or something else? He replied that it was a pitcher, of course. Then Perpetuas responded, uh, can, it, can it be called by any other name than what it is? When his, father, when his father said no, she continued, neither can I call myself by anything else than what I am, a Christian. Uh, this morning I want to talk to us, uh, and here's the title for today, There is Power in His Name. There is power in His Name. Uh, when we read through Exodus 20, uh, this well-known, well-quoted verse, uh, I, I get flashbacks to when I was a kid. And I, I go back to when I was uh, in Sunday school and when they were teaching us all this sort of stuff. And, uh, and they said, do not use the Lord's name in vain. 
Now, when I understood it, well, I think what I was taught was that meant do not use the Lord's name uh, as a swear word or, or flippantly or idly. Uh, for example, you, using the term, oh my God, was considered using the Lord's name in vain. And uh, many, many in society, as you guys know, because you live in the same world I live in, and uh, that in society, there, there are many people who use the name uh, Jesus Christ as a swear word. Uh, what they're really implying is, is using that. So I was always taught and always told that anytime you heard that, 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 that was using the Lord's name in vain. Um, I want to present to you something this morning that might just be a little bit different from what you were always taught as a young child in Sunday school. Amen, somebody. And for all those that were never in Sunday school, praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> You've been saved. And uh, no, but uh, I really want to break down this verse for us so where we can understand this verse in context. And I remember every time you read scripture, one of the fundamental things you have to do is put that passage in context. Don't just read it and then apply it to your current situation. You'll run into trouble if you keep doing that. You've got to put everything in its context. Who, was it, who wrote it? When was it written? Who was it written for? What was happening at the time? All those sort of things. That paints context. Context is important when we come to Scripture. Why? Because we need to understand the original intent of why something was said, why something was written, and then we can translate that into our situation. Are you guys hearing this this morning? But, but foolish is the one who takes something and just applies it in context, uh, into a different context without first fully understanding. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to do a little bit of teaching for you this morning, and then, uh, and then we'll see where we land. Okay. In the <laughs> All right. So let's start by looking at this verse again. So let's bring this verse back up again. And it says here, you shall not take the Lord's name, the Lord your God. And I, oh my goodness. Let me read that again. Uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Let me pause there. Um, now, let's start with this word take. The Hebrew word for the word take is the word norsoa. Now, you've got to remember context, okay, guys? Uh, Old Testament written in Hebrew. New Testament, written in Greek. In the Old Testament, that word, now we've got an NIV translation, and so that's not going to help me this morning. Uh, I need the New King James Version. Uh, <laughs> in the New King James Version, it says, you shall not take, and uh, or just leave that up, that's all right. Um, take meaning to um, misuse, as the NIV has translated, but it also can, can mean to put on. It also can mean to bear. So to take means to bear. So, so let, me, let me rephrase this statement here. You shall not bear the, Lord, the name of the Lord your God. Oh my goodness, I don't like this translation. Let me read it from here. Um, you shall not bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. Pause. Are you guys seeing this? Yeah. To take means to put on. To take means to bear. 
like a burden that you're carrying, um, like something that you're, you're, you are now uh, wearing. And so why does new? Why are you saying that? Well, for the simple fact that there is something important that we need to see here. When we take on something, um, it becomes part of who we are. Does that make sense? Okay, some of you guys are with me. Um, <laughs> I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. I know, I'm Samoan. You may not have guessed that. That's, that's all right. Some think I'm Italian. Some think I'm French. You know, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Um, but I'm Samoan. And uh, in Samoan culture, names are very important. Oh, it's, it's actually names um, and identity kind of go hand in hand. Like I have, a, I have a chief's title that was, I've shared this here before, that belonged to my father and when he passed away, uh, it was bestowed upon me through a, through a formal ceremony. So I took on that title and uh, this was before I, I took on the title pastor and so that title gave me uh, identity and authority. That means that particular title gave me permission to speak into certain situations. Are you guys hearing this? But that title came with a lot of burdens to bear. All of a sudden, overnight, I had a level of responsibility that I did not have the night before. The night before, I was pretty carefree. Could do whatever I want. I actually had long hair at the time. I'd I'd love to say my hair was wavy, but it wasn't. It was kind of just like out here. And it kind of just did not move, you know. But I had long hair at the time. And, uh, and, and so I was pretty much this kind of carefree, no responsibility kind of guy. But the minute I took on that title, the game changed for me. I also, all of a sudden felt this level of responsibility, number one, because I was representing my father, and but number two, because I was now representing an entire village. And so you know what I did? After growing my hair for a year and a half, I got off the plane after leaving Samoa and my first stop was a barber shop. And I said, cut it off. I should have said, can you make it look nice? Because <laughs> he gave me a really terrible haircut. But I felt this burden. Are you guys seeing this? Because I took on the name of my father and the name of my village. This is what this passage is kind of alluding to. It says here, you shall not take or put on or bear the Lord's name in vain. Are you guys, get, are you guys with me now? All right, let's talk about this word vain because uh, I think we need to understand that again. Now, this is not mine, <clears throat> uh, but I want to read this because this, I believe, uh, articulates it so well. The Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father who was in heaven, hallowed be your name, Matthew 6, 9. The term hallowed and the, the word holy comes from the same root word. It means apart or sanctified. God's name is thus hallowed uh, or holy. Uh, in other words, we are not to mix up God's name with anyone else's name. We're not to lump him in with others or toss his name out lightly. God's names are hallowed or holy. 
They are to be honoured, respected and treated with the reverence they deserve. For example, if the now this is an American writer, he says, if the President of the United States or the Governor of the state you were in walked into the room, you would not address him or her by his or her first name. The position demands a certain level of recognition. You wouldn't say, hey dude, what's up? You would place the title in front of their name and speak it with respect. Taking God's name in vain is the opposite of hallowing or calling it holy. The word vain means empty without meaning. It describes something as having no substance, even having uh, a detriment. It has to do with using God's name in a way that's inconsistent with his personhood. It involves stripping away the value that belongs to his name. Oh, there's a big, art, big chunk of reading there. So let me try and repackage this uh, verse 7 for you again. You shall not take on or, or bear the name of the Lord in an empty way, in a way that is dishonoring, in a way that shows irreverence, in a way that shows disrespect. The flip side, if we make it into a positive statement, is this. You shall bear the name of the Lord with great honor and humility. Amen, somebody. Are you guys hearing this this morning? So when we read this passage, we see that there is actually more to it than just watching what comes out of your mouth. When we read this passage, it's a bit more than just saying, oh, don't use those Christian swear words, you know? Those, those, you guys know them. I know you know them. Okay, here are the top 10 Christian swear words. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I know how the brain works. I know how our flesh works. We all look for that line, and we go up to it. With that, you know, we, we teeter on the line. We, we try everything. We go as close as we can to the line without crossing over it. Isn't that right? Okay, must be just me. We try and figure out where the line is, what the rules are, and then we go as close as humanly possible to it without going over. You know, and sometimes we're like dancing with our foot in the air. And that's how we perceive this particular passage. We're like, oh, where's the line? And what can, what can I do? It's not what can I do, it's like what can I do? What can I say? But to, to actually think like that is to actually misquote or misinterpret what this passage is actually all about. Are you guys hearing me this morning? And so I want to I wanna just unpack, I just want to kind of give you an idea uh, of what this passage is really talking about. Um, but let me read it one more time. Because I just love reading this one. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Notice here that there is a, there is a, a caveat. There's something that happens if you do. It says here, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. When I read that, I instantly go to the unforgivable sin. 
You, you know that in Christianity we have this sin that's unforgivable. It's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to try to remind me if I don't touch on it to go to it, okay? Because it's not in the notes. But I need to kind of help you guys here this morning. But that's what my brain does. It, it takes me to that. But let's, let's keep going. So what happens when we carry the, the Lord's name with humility and reverence and the respect that it deserves? Here it is. Number one, it gives us identity. Write that one down. When you hold, when you hold the Lord's name in the reverence that it deserves, it gives you identity. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16, it says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. When you hold the Lord's name with the reverence that it deserves, with the respect that it deserves and requires, uh, it gives you identity. As a follower of Christ, my argument and my contention is this, that it is your responsibility to hold the name of the Lord with the reverence that is due. That, that the name of the Lord is lifted up above every other name. Because the Bible teaches us that at the name of the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Yeah. Amen. Our salvation comes through no other name except through the name of the Lord. We need to hold the name of the Lord in its rightful place. The opposite of vanity, the opposite of being vain. Of, to, uh, to use the Lord's name in vain is to use it with emptiness in the, in the, in the human heart. Without revelation. No, what are you talking about? You're, you're confusing me. Well, let me, let me paint to you this picture. There are times in our lives where we can uh, misunderstand what we are actually supposed to be doing with the name of the Lord. When we, when we prophesy, for example, did you realize there are such things as false prophets? You guys understand it? My question for you is this. What, what determines uh, or what conditions uh, determine somebody to be a false prophet? Because the Bible says that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Okay. If the Bible says this, well, God, that's God. But then we have this case where there are false prophets how, how do we understand the two? How, do they contradict each other or the two are the same? Here's what I've come to conclude, because I know you're going, give me the answer, no, give me the answer. Here it is. It's very, very simple. It's in your revelation of Jesus. If you have no revelation of Jesus and you continue to prophesy, you are a false prophet. Amen, somebody. I'm not, I'm not just talking about understanding who he is. I'm talking about revelation that he's the redeemer, he's the saviour, he's the lover of my soul. He saved me. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. There are many who prophesy. Come on, the New Testament is full of stories and encounters. 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name? And then Jesus will turn to those ones and say, guess what? Never knew. So those are false prophets. So for us who uh, understand who Jesus is, that becomes our identity. Are you guys getting that? And along with that, well, that identity gives us the ability to do things in the Spirit. I, I believe for us in the church, oh, come on. We never, we can never, this is, these are the last days, amen. Can we, can, we, can we confirm that once and for all? We're in the last days. Jesus is coming back. We've got to get ready. The church has got to get ready. Come on. These, let's, just, let's just have that sealed in our hearts. If, if that is the case, and we believe that, then we've got to prepare ourselves. How do we prepare ourselves? The helper prepares us. So you've got to allow the Spirit of God in your heart and in your life to, to, to begin to bring you to the fullness of, of, of all that's within you. To every man, woman, and child, there is a purpose and a plan. There is a calling. There is a destiny. There is a, a gift. And, 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 and the, Bible, the Bible says that the gifts and the call are without repentance, meaning that he's placed those things in your heart and in your life, and they're not returnable. You can't flash the receipt and say, Can I, I just want to return this. No, that's part of who you are. And so understanding that and, and realizing that and acknowledging that is stage number one. Well, actually, stage number one is give your heart to Jesus. Let him be Lord. But once you've done that and you've gone through baptism and water and all those sorts of things and baptism, then, then it's receiving the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is this too much for Sunday morning? Because when I, when I read this passage, there's so much more in there than just kind of four lines. I put on, I take on the weight, I take on the, the burden. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my follower must deny themselves, take on their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to be first got to be last. To take on the cross is a burden. But that's a, is that a burden we're willing to bear? Is that a burden we're willing to carry? Knowing that Jesus is coming back and, and, the, and the bridegroom is coming back for his bride and it's going to be a glorious day when Jesus returns. Heaven and earth will pass away. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There's a new city, Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem. Come on. And there's a, there's a holy bride without blemish. But our job is to take the burden, to bear the burden, to bear the cross. But we don't do it in vain. Amen, somebody. In vain means we don't do it with emptiness of heart. We don't do it with, with uh, and, and, and if I can just take that name literally for a minute, we don't use the burden or the cross or the name of Jesus to satisfy the desires of our flesh. Oh, everybody look at me. I'm a, I'm a holy art thou Christian. I'm a, I'm a pastor. Everybody worship me. Well, that's a terrible statement. They felt so uncomfortable to say. 
But you get what I'm talking about, don't you? The burden we carry, take on the name, the burden we carry is so much heavier and it takes so much more of ourselves. Actually, it takes all of ourselves. But the Bible is so clear. Jesus says, take upon your shoulders my yoke, for my burden is easy, my yoke is light. So, so when you take on, it's not something that you cannot bear. Does that make sense? That's your identity. That's who you are. You're a son and daughter of the Most High God. Yeah, it's worthy of celebrating. I mean, I celebrate it all the time. Well, who are you? Well, listen to this. This is who you are. You are joined with the Lord and one in spirit with him. You are a new creature in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You have been made one with all who are in Christ. You are no longer a slave, but a child and an heir to the throne. You have been set free. That's who you are. You're blessed in every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You are chosen. You are holy. You are blameless before God. You are redeemed. You are forgiven by grace of Christ. You have been predestined by God to obtain his inheritance. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Because of his, God's mercy and love, you have been made alive with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places. You are God's workmanship, created to produce good works. That's who you are. You have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. You are a member of Christ's body. You're a partaker in his promise. You have boldness. You have confidence. That you can, there is boldness and confidence that you can access God through faith in Christ. Come on. You are the righteous. You are holy. You were once formerly in darkness. Now you've been brought into God's light. You are a citizen of heaven. That's who you are. The peace of God guards your heart and your mind. God supplies all your needs. You have been made complete in Christ. And you will be raised up with Christ. Are you hearing this this morning? You have been chosen. You are beloved. And God will reveal his glory to you. That's your identity. Amen, somebody. That's who you are. Come on, that's the promise he gives to you. We can no longer allow any other voice to tell us what we're not. We need the word of God and the spirit of God within us to tell us who we are. The the burden that we carry allows us to identify with Christ. Amen, somebody. Is this making sense this morning? The last thing is this. Not only does it give you your identity, it gives you your authority. I want to remind you that when Moses went before the Lord, there was the burning bush encounter. You guys remember that? Burning bush encounter. And Moses came before the Lord, and the Lord revealed all these things to him. And and there was this moment in this particular encounter uh, that I want to read for us today. In Exodus 3 and 13, it says... 
Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the, the Israelites. I am has sent, you, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. What is the name that we are to call the Lord from generation to generation? I am. I am that I am. What is your name? My name is I am. My name is too big for you to comprehend in your little brain. So I'm just going to make simplify it for you. I am who I am. There are not enough words in the English dictionary, in the Hebrew dictionary, in the Greek dictionary to define who I am. There are not enough words in all of humanity to define and limit me. You cannot limit me to words. I am who I am. Well, who, who, who's, who's sending us? I am. I am. Do you just go tell them that? And then remind them that I'm the same God that was with Abraham, the same God that was with Isaac, the same God that was with Jacob, and I'm the same God that's with you right now. What does it mean to stand in the authority of God? It means to recognize that what you carry is the I am. Are you guys hearing this this morning? I am. That's it. What gives you the permission to prophesy? What gives you the right to speak into my life? What gives you the right to pray for the sick? What gives you the right to believe for miracles? Because of I am. That's, I, I don't do it in my name. I know who I am. My name is New. Two words, two letters, two words. <laughs> Coffee number four on its way. Two letters. Those two little letters are not enough to, to speak into the healing of somebody, uh, to, into the sickness of somebody and believe for a miracle. That, that, those two little letters, not enough to, to believe for a breakthrough in finances. Those two little letters are not enough to believe for somebody's uh, 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 relationship to be restored. So I don't, I don't come into a situation with those two little letters. I come into the, into the situation with the name of the Lord God Almighty. What's his name? I am. Are you hearing me this morning? That same name that raised Jesus from the dead, that same name that's alive today, is the same name that you put on. When you take upon you the name of the Lord, when you take it upon yourself, when you carry that, it's, picture this, it's like the armor of God. Who we put on their full armor this morning? Don't show me your hands, I don't want to see. Who put on the full armor this morning? Come on, the Bible says put on the full armor of God. So you do what? You withstand the work of the enemy. You can withstand, how do you withstand? With the full armor of God. After putting it on, then stand. You don't stand first and then wait for somebody to give you what you need. You, you put it on before you get out the door. 
So that means you center yourself, you, you, you find a quiet moment, and whether it's the night before, the morning of, and, and you just go, Lord, in, in the name of Jesus, I put on the armor of your Holy Spirit, the armor of God. I put on the breastplate, the helmet of salvation, belt of truth, the, 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 I'm getting myself into trouble here now, sandals of Let's, let me read it. I want to just read it. <laughs> Put on the full armor of God so that you can withstand the, against, uh, stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to withstand your ground. Be able to stand your ground and after having done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, breastplate of righteousness in place with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flames, uh, flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. Amen. That's your burden. That's what you take on. When you're taking on the name of the Lord, you're taking on all of this. Amen. That's your, that's your authority. You can withstand the attacks of the enemies. Anybody... Hearing me this morning. I want to invite the team back up. Love for us to sing that, that tag song you guys sang at the end there. That was really good. Uh, do not, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord would not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let me go back to that unforgivable sin. None of you has reminded me of it. Let, let me tell you something. Every sin is unforgivable if you don't repent. Did you hear that? Every sin in your life is unforgivable if you don't repent, if you don't bring it to the foot of the cross. If we say that there is all sins can be forgiven except for this one, then we have just disempowered the work of the cross. You guys hearing me? The cross trumps all sin now and forever. Amen. In your foolishness, you might have said something or done something or or, or you know, offended somebody or blasphemed the Holy Spirit, whatever. But when you come to the foot of the cross and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, he's not going to turn around and say, well, yeah, I'm going to forgive you of 99.999% of your sin, but this one I cannot forgive. It's too powerful for me. No, the cross allows you. Now, I know I'm messing with some of you all because you've been taught this stuff for a long time. This is what you were told. I'm telling you something different. It's up to you to believe it. You don't have to. 
I'm telling you that the blood of Jesus covers all sin. That the blood of Jesus covers all sin. Even the ones that we didn't realize we were making, even the ones that we, we said flippantly, no. All sin is forgiven in the name of Jesus. That's the power of the cross. Amen, somebody. Oh. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. I want to I wanna just summarize it in a more positive way. Not that I'm trying to outdo God. But this is how I would kind of reword, reword this. Carry the Lord's name with humility, reverence, and respect. That's your job, church. Amen, somebody. Would you stand with me? Why don't you just close your eyes where you are? I want to remind you, and I'm going to keep doing this till Jesus returns, of who you really are. Because I believe that if once you get it, once you believe it, you are a game changer. Your life will never be the same. No weapon formed against you will ever prosper, ever again. You might still go through difficult times, but you will overcome because the name that you bear is not an empty one. It comes with authority. It comes with identity. It tells you who you are. It's that name. It's a beautiful name. Hallelujah. Come on, close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name that we are set free. I declare over this congregation revelation. I declare over this congregation a new day. A new day of identity, of understanding the fullness of identity. Who we truly are. Son and daughter of the Most High God. That we have direct access to the Father, that in the Father's name we can believe for great and wonderful things, that in the Father's name cities will be transformed, nations would be saved, in the Father's name, in that authority we come before you this morning, in that authority we ask to let your will be done. Let your kingdom be established on earth as it is in heaven. Where in heaven your name is above every other name. Your name is the only one worshipped and adored. And so we take on that burden. We bear that price. We identify and we carry the authority in Jesus' wonderful name. This has been another great message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. 
For more content and updates, come see us on our Facebook page or jump over to our website. Thanks so much for listening.